Gara could be managing the Cork Hurlers, the Irish soccer team. He could be managing anything. He's got the X factor. To win two Champions Cups with a club that doesn't really have that much of a history in the game. OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. The Football Show on Off The Ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. This is News Talk. I prepared to end it I can. Well, do it then. Again. Do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> Why should an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? Oh. Welcome along. So the final day of the Premier League season has come and gone. Leeds down, Leicester down, Everton survive. Um, although there weren't scenes of jubilation, I think it's fair to say, Goodson Park. A few people came onto the pitch and the rest of the crowd stayed in their seats, gave half-hearted boos uh, towards those fans who had gone onto the pitch and mainly just chanted, sack the board. So not exactly a feel-good story at Everton either, but it could be a whole lot worse. Very happy to say Pat Nevin is with us. Good evening. Good evening. Um, yeah, weird weekend. It sure <laughs> was. Slightly reeling from it all. But, you know, the Everton fans, they've actually, they're not stupid, are they? You know, they know that they got away with it. One goal in the last minute to equalise, they go down. And yeah. that's the nightmare scenario they were in. That's how close they were and how close they've been far too often now. And uh, that's not a fluke. There's reasons for that. And yeah. they know... They've run out of lives, haven't they? <laughs> this is it. That's the last one. That's the last one. Well, I think um, what was ringing in their ears from last year, when again they were often chanting sack the board, was uh, Frank Lampard and various others saying, that's a line in the sand now. This has to stop. Never again. Yeah, it's like King can you, you know. <laughs> the line in the sand's like halfway across the channel. Um, no, it's, it's, I mean, I'm smiling. I, I have to, can I tell you a funny story where I was, right? So I'm supposed to be covering the game. Uh, I was doing BBC, I was supposed to be at the game, but they, they told me too late. And I've got a new book coming out in a couple of days, and I'd already arranged to do a book meeting, and it must be the only book reading in history where I've got a book in one hand, and I've got a phone in the other hand, and <laughs> the Everton game on, and I'm trying to look at both of them at the same time. And like, to, don't hide this, just tell everybody that's watching. So whatever you were, whether you were in the ground, whether, like me, you watched the, the highlights later, uh, and then and watched it as much as you could on the kind of phone, uh, it was just horrifyingly tense. And you just knew that, it, you're right, it shouldn't be a celebration. The Everton fans know they've, t- they've fallen too far behind. They look worse than they did last year, but they still managed to stay up. Um, and they need to decide and have an uh, you know, what, who they, they need to know who they are now. I don't think they do know who they are now. They don't know, they don't know what kind of team they are, style-wise. They're just kind of meh. If, as it were, right? So you need to have what is your ethos. And there, there clearly isn't one. Or the problem might be there's too many, certainly within the, the board and its different thoughts, and then a bunch of different managers and different types of players. It's just uh, a bit messy. Yeah. And Farad Mashiri has stopped attending games. I think board members for their own safety have almost uh, stopped attending games. I'm not sure if they've gone back since it really blew up, but we're talking about people like Graeme Sharp here who's a non-executive director and Bill Kenwright's uh, chairman. Since 2016, Mashiri has spent um, close to a billion and we're talking 500 million on transfers alone and we're talking big name managers, Koeman, Marcus Silva, 
Ancelotti, Benitez, uh, Sam Allardyce was in there. I mean, I'd forgotten about Big Sam till I was uh, reminded of that when I was just uh, reading about the last number of years at Goodison. Why? I mean, you you talk to people involved and have a sense of what's going on. Why is it such a mishmash behind the scenes? I mean, who's in control of this club, really? It may well be that your final question is actually the answer. <laughs> it's, it's the control of the club and control. Like, Machiri has controlled the club to a large extent, but Bill Kenner has, Kenner has some effect. But control of direction? I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't think anybody really knows. Or if they have got a direction, it's ain't very good one. It's just not a good enough one. Um, so it's easy to say, get a director of football in. Well, he better have a good direction. And you better trust trust him with it. And he better be you know, working that way, you know, to, up to his right or up to his left, not both at the same time. Any club that has got misunderstanding, uh, double or treble visions at the top, doesn't have a chance. They don't have a chance. It, it just doubles your costs all the time because you don't buy things or require things that are the same thing. Now, that may be players, that may be managers, that might be the direction you're going. Um, and it's, I mean, I can't imagine it. I always think back to my time doing that sort of job and at a smaller level, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But I'm thinking back to that time and thinking, can I imagine having somebody beside me who was kind of had the same sort of power but had completely different ideas? Honestly, like, I, I break in cold sweats at the idea of it. And apart from the stress and the pressure of it. so And especially if then you're not working together, you're working against each other, which is going to cause tensions because we're all human beings. And the fans know that. They can see that. It's not working right. It's not working comfortably. And there's been bad decision-making. Um, and, yeah, hey, not every decision's been bad. There's been some decent players have got in over the time. But they haven't been the right players at the right time in the right places. And, again, this all seems dead easy, but you need to know the business. You need to know the game. Um and I'm just getting a feeling that it's not joined up thinking. And it makes it, the other clubs that do it and do it well, they make it look dead easy. And from the outside, it does look dead easy. It's actually really complicated. Yeah. There's a lot to put in place. And you have to get everybody on the same page. And even if somebody's really good, but they're not on the page, they've got to go. Vicious though it might seem, they've got to get out of the picture. So... I, I, honestly, it's, it frightens me, and I'm, you don't see me this animated. Like, I get really annoyed by everything now because it's going to happen. I'm amazed it didn't happen this year. I'll be honest with you. Uh, after the Fulham game, I thought it was going to happen. Then you know, Dish actually gets a little bit of a tune out of them um, for a couple of games, and that was kind of all that was needed. But it, it just looks as if it could happen again. And if the FFP is what they say it is, and if there are further drawbacks in costs and spending because of the new stadium. Uh, it's unthinkable. It's, I sh- well, no, it's not unthinkable. Nobody's got the right to stay up. Mm. But if they go down, their particular position with the debt and with the new stadium is scary. Yeah. You sort of feel like Deitch is the type of manager that will run the legs off them in pre-season. Mm-hmm. They'll be pretty honest and they'll finish 15th next year. It just has that vibe about it, best case scenario. Uh I'm looking at all the players and they've got it in them to do it because they've done it two or three times this season. They certainly done it in the game yesterday. Um, they did it, well, I say they did it at Brighton. They had 22% possession. But they've shown it on sporadic occasions. And people think, yeah, it's in there. You've got it. You can do that sort of thing. Teams and players that do it sporadically tell me they can't do it all the time or they won't do it all the time. And it's really unusual for those lepers to change their spots mm. as a group, as a unit. 
So what any manager, Dice seems perfect to some degree for me. Uh, just if you possibly can, do the old-fashioned wheeling and yeah. dealing. But that's a kind of... Um, it's such a limited... Uh, uh, scope in terms of its ambition I mean it's like this club has been badly run there's no sign of real improvement Deitch is like a strong manager who can cobble together limited players and and, and, you know the mistakes in the transfer market into something vaguely coherent uh, hence the 15th and and that's kind of you know that's a really it's a grim thing as well Um, Well, I said forever history and the fans and what they expect and also the kind of old-fashioned, if you played forever and you know about the School of Science, the fact that you'd expect it to go and entertain as well. Yes, they'll get behind you in tough times, but hey, they're coming in, they're paying their money and mm. it's it's a part of the world that isn't always the most, you know, it's, it's, everyone's not minted up there, you know, and it's, it's tough sometimes to explain. And of course, the vast majority of people that are in that ground are local-ish or born from local people. You know, across the Stanley Park, yeah, there's plenty of them there, but there's lots of people that come from around the world. I mean, yes, Ireland, lots and lots from there, but there's plenty coming from Germany, there's plenty coming from Australia, there's plenty coming from America. You're not getting those sort of levels at Everton. So you're, you can't go and make it a kind of tourist club as well as a you know, local club. So they've got all these things against them. So are you aiming for top four? Well, you've got to aim, but realistically, it's miles away. Mm. It's, it's, it's not miles away, it's light years away. And I can't see any way that can happen because you then you almost need to say Everton, you need to be the next, you know, South, Southampton, but the, you know before they fell apart, Brighton before you know they what they're doing just now, Brentford. You need to be that. But that's been done mm. really well. <laughs> it took years to do that really well. So it's, I'm sure, honestly, I'm, it's worrying and it's frightening. But is there a long-term plan and someone brilliant? The, the last person with a long-term plan. There was a good one. I'll give Ancelotti a pass because I thought he was doing a good job and he knew what he was doing. He's a great manager. Um, but it really may be Moisey. You know, right. it may be Moisey with a real long-term plan. Um, and that was a wee bit 15th, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that wasn't yesterday. No. Leicester, meanwhile, go down. They are just the most fascinating case study. I mean, there's so much to talk about here, which is interesting. Uh, highest wage bill in Premier League history to go down and... Look, of course, I think that's a likely um, stat given the money in football now and inflation in football. But it's worth noting that their wage bill is 180 million sterling. So it is the highest outside the top six. So if the wage bill is as integral and uh, significant as we're told it is, then the seventh highest wage bill has just been relegated. They have made a mess on so many fronts here. For instance, I mean, you, you talk about well-run clubs and, and where Everton are on that spectrum. Nine uh, first-team players out of contract this summer. That's a weird scenario to sleepwalk into. And I don't think you sleepwalk into it. That's just bad organisation. Isn't, isn't it? Or, like, it's shocking. Or you want it with some of them. You know, with some of them, you actually want them to be out. Mm, okay. So you think, okay, they're coming at the end of their time. We can't hoof them out because they've been servants to the club and all that. But if there's any of them that have any value then you've made a mess of it. Yeah, Tielemans. <laughs> Tielemans is going to walk off for free and, and that's been coming for about two years is an interesting so that, uh, that's, case. That's a huge error, right? I don't, don't disagree for a second, but the, within these nine, there'll be some that's a good idea, some fine, I get that. Some, mm. would we have fought for it if we went down because we can't really afford them anyway? Um, but you're right, it's, it's not... It's really too many. Yeah. 
And also, if you think about, you know, how long is it since they won the league? 16. And, yeah. And, you know, Vardy was the main man, the main scorer. And who are they looking to still to some degree? You know, Ian actually was come in. But he's still turning to Vardy. And it's football's not like that. There's not that many on the planet that can actually keep at that level for that length of time. And particularly with the quickies, <clears throat> when they fall, they fall off the end of a cliff. Because it's, it's not that he's not got pace, but he can't keep it up to that level. The reason why Vardy was brilliant, a, a very good goal scorer, hungry, all that sort of stuff. But see that fantastic run he made? Made a hundred of them in a game and only one of them come off. Mm. But he could make a hundred. And he can't do that anymore. And it's it's not an abuse of Jamie. He's, he's a fabulous amount of work he's put on. So you found yourself taking the goals that he would have had away. So that's just him. That's just one. So there's all the other things about every time you actually bought, got what looked like great players or who were great for Leicester, they didn't always go in to be great. <laughs> you just sold them. And yeah. then you left leaving holes. Eventually those da- gaps don't get filled by the right people. And, you know, that's clearly what happened. What was it? They did score enough goals, didn't they? There was enough goals scored. But it was the defence was just a, a mess for the amount of goals lost. And I didn't think they had much of a direction and Brendan, I think Brendan had told them last season. I think he'd said to them, "It's you, you. This is time. It's overdue time. You need to make this massive change." And I think they might have thought, "Oh, we can get away with it for another year." Yeah, and they were probably within their rights to think they could get away with it for another year. Really, like, well, don't it- get a manager to tell you what to do. Then don't tell. Don't do it. He asks you. Well. I hear you. Because, I mean, Rodgers is interesting in that when he departed last year and Leicester had finished in the top 10 five years in a row, they'd had two fifth place finishes. Remember, they just missed out in Champions League and then last year they had finished eighth. And I think in terms of goals scored, they were fifth in the table. So if they tightened up, according to Rodgers, goals conceded at set piece, they could really do something at the top of the table. He had also, around that time, been critical of the attitude in a sense of of players and it seems um, when he returned after the summer the players he had wanted weren't bought and equally players he had wanted to offload had not been offloaded and he came back post-summer talking about a different set of expectations and he seems to have just hung around because they were paying him eight or nine million a year and who's going to walk away from that but for a good month he just looked like a guy who was begging to be fired I mean I can't say fire me but if you're just, I mean, in any way adept at reading my body language, what I'm saying in these interviews, just fire me. And they took far too long to do that. And that, that's another issue. But like, what a, a weird season. They win one in 10. So this terrible summer, they win one in 10 at the start of season. And then because they have this quality that's still there, they go and win four in a row. That gets you 12 points. Uh, so they're 12th going into the World Cup. So you think in four games, you get 12 points. The other 34 games... You just need 24 points and they have a, a, a spell where they win one in 15. Like there's whatever you, you can definitely blame ownership for sure. And there's something in that dressing room, though, which was off attitude wise. The, the runs as well. The, the, the runs that you go on are they're horrible. I mean, I, I do have to think back to the, my, I had one relegation in my career and the team was good enough to stay up. I knew that. It was easy. It was obvious. We were well good enough to. We were we found, talking about the stats stuff, right? You can make them say anything you like. We were fifth top scorers in the league, and we went down, right? <laughs> so, how did you work that one out? Well, it's kind of not difficult. Goalkeeper might help, um, and one or two other things like that. But 
in the end, it's for me as a player, I, mean, I remember like, right, okay, a lot's been asking me now, so I, I look at Madison or Barnes or whatever, right, okay, it's my turn to do it. I'll do something special. I'll work really hard. I'll create stuff. I'll make sure it goes right. And it is the classic case in those situations after two or three losses, you look up and you can see nothing. You can see people running away. You never see eyes. And you're going, you really honestly don't want it. <laughs> you really are that scared. Mm. You really are that lacking in confidence. And they, they'll all say they're not, but nobody wants to be the person or appears to be the person. I say nobody, but not enough people feel as if they can be the person. Until the last moment when everything's on it and then they'll all fight and battle and chase and all that and scratch you, they'll do all that. But it's amazing while they're on those runs. It's as if players think, well, we probably won't go down and mm. I don't want to be the one the fans turn on because they're already understandably limited confidence just then plummets to nothing and then they get dropped. They're out of the team, they might lose the job. That's the thinking, right? And when you're going through those phases, I, I, I watch games like I mean, we all watch games and we watch the ball but and we watch a bit of the rest of it I do spend a lot of time watching the rest of it you know the, the shape yes but also body language and why didn't you make that run there if you make that run there you're going to get the ball and you know it but you didn't go and I'm thinking yeah I know why because you don't fancy it and that's what happens that's exactly what happens and I've, it's horrifying because on the pitch you think you want to call people cowards because they won't take the ball. Um, it's a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. And but I think it's human nature. Yeah. And you just saw that happening. They didn't. There was a period there where they didn't look, look like they could lose. But there was also a period where nothing would make them win a game of football. You know. And then just add bad luck on top of that. that that's that's all. There was a the moment, mainly watching the Everton game, but where they showed the Harvey Barnes goal from uh, the King Power, and I mean everything about it is quality. <laughs> like, we're just watching a relegated side here score a goal like that. It's not really meant to be that way. The point can you I, would... Can I say one other thing to you just before you go yeah, on yeah. that? Right? And I do think it's important. And everyone will say it. Now, Everton fans are angry, you know, just now, but all three teams that are, went down are quite angry. But everybody just about above them is thinking, yeah, yeah, we're, we're okay, we're good, we're a bit quality. It, there is nothing between all those teams. Even Southampton, who managed to beat Manchester City, they actually aren't rubbish. It was just things like lack of confidence and just being a little bit less good. The, the quality you can go down with now is actually really good. And I've felt that for a long time. But it's quite clear with Leicester. They, in years gone by, that team would have been fine. Absolutely confident that team would have been fine. There would have always been three or four really pretty teams that you thought kind of shouldn't be there. Um, there were no teams, I don't think. Southampton may be at a push some games but everybody else they were capable of being good enough to stay up um, so there's no rubbish teams so you need to be a, a pretty decent team but also you need to perform all the time um, and that's the only thing performing of yeah needless to say Premier League champions in 16 FA Cup winners two years ago it's an unbelievable fall from grace where you would have some uh, sympathy for, uh, certainly on the, on the first point I was going to make is that you do have to remind yourself that their owner who was just so invested in the club and it was clearly probably the most enjoyable aspect of his working life dies in the most freakishly uh, tragic circumstances in 2018 and the other thing and I, I probably hadn't appreciated this as much until I was reading various pieces this morning uh, it does seem COVID really did hit them hard because the King Power duty-free business was brought to a standstill 
And so this was a family and a, and a, and a company thinking about, you know, unbelievable crises. And so purse strings were tightened, including very much at Leicester. So lack of investment, you couldn't really foresee COVID for obvious reasons. That has not helped their cause. The um, scary thing for Leicester going forward is that the BBC have reported, so their income is going to fall from 214 uh, million this year to 70 million in the championship. But because this was not a club who were planning for relegation whatsoever, they have a loan with a big Australian bank and uh, that loan is to do with player amortisation and uh, broadcasting revenue. But basically, as you would expect, all of the repayments are set against TV money, which is now not coming. Uh, so it seems that the club will actually have no benefit from the parachute payments. They're kind of like, that's going to keep the big bad wolf from the door. There go the parachute payments. Now let's see how we can try and get out of this mess. So this is not an easy bounce back necessarily situation because they just they just financially couldn't have foreseen relegation. So all the negatives, and there's plenty of them. Um, I'm pretty damn sure that if you get that level of debt as well, the debt's increasing because of the, the interest rates. And, that, and that's not a small thing. That is a major dilemma a lot of the time. So that's going to be a, a problem on top of that as well. The one, what have they got in their favour then? Um, what they've got in their favour is they've kind of been there before, you know. They, and it's not that long ago in history that they were in difficult situations. And you know, before they went in the league, they nearly went down, didn't they? I mean, they were in a terrible situation. So they've been in a position where they've had to build from really low, and not always with. They had good money and very good money sometimes, but not anything close to others who were above them for periods of time. So they can look into that history, the social history of the club, and that might help them. But, you know, the game's moved on and they'll need more than that. Problem is, you know, their market that they had, that seemed that they brilliantly mined. You know, somebody, others are mining it now, and mining it a wee bit better. You know, the Mareses are hard to find, you know, the, the Contes are... I mean, good luck ever finding N'Golo Conte before... Real Madrid doing now, you know, or, or others doing now. Everyone's everyone's all over that market now, so that's going to be incredibly hard for them. But you know, they've been there before. There will be some players left that will have quality. But I, in some ways, even though they're, I think, a better team, perfect player at the moment, I would be more likely to see Leeds come back up than Leicester. Which just the way it looks just now with well, the finances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The finances are, are grim now. Let's move to Leeds then, because there was far more acrimony at Ellen Road and there were, were chants of you're not fit to wear the shirt. Um, Big Sam didn't get his three million. The one point that he got for Leeds cost them half a million. So, I mean, I figure I would have got a point. If you gave me four games <laughs> with Leeds, I might have got a point, you know. Um, Many of us would take some of the big jobs in the Premier League that some of the managers have had total shockers with and think, well, I might not have done bad I, and I'd have taken five million or whatever. I've seen Ted Lasso. It's not that hard. <laughs> Uh, one of the p points made against the owner, Andrea Radrizani, who does, it seems, want to sell his stake in the club so he can buy Sampdoria. That's where his head's at. Um, but like one of the points was made that there, there's a degree of inexperience and, and doing the wrong things, thinking you're doing the right things. What I mean by that is in the midst of this very obvious relegation battle that they were in, in January, they have 40 million to spend. 40 million euro. We're in a relegation dogfight and they spend it on uh, Georgina Rutter, who is a 20 year old French under 21 player who has scored a handful of goals for Hoffenheim. 
Now, that's really shrewd, I would think, if in three or four years you know that Rudder is going to be worth three times the value and have time to flourish. When you're in the middle of a relegation, I mean, that, it's like these guys watched Moneyball and they thought, let's just do the right thing here. And, and there's like a lack of football now about what a relegation fight demands. Yeah, don't start with the money ball. The amount of people you t- talk to in football now that are hangers on the big clubs and go, no, no, we were, do- we're doing what we understand we're doing the money ball <laughs> thing. And then they talk and you think, yes, I know everyone's doing it. I mean, every single team is doing it, right? <laughs> You're not different from them. You need to do that and do something different on top of it, right? Okay, and it's it's, it's almost... Yeah, it's, they talk down to you when they're telling you and you're thinking, yeah, it's cold statistics, mate. Yeah. Right, I get it. <laughs> Just using a bigger computer these days. Anyway, so they, and they, they do that. And in times gone by, it was like, okay, we know what we need. And everyone knew they needed a striker was going. Bamford wasn't scoring as many goals. But looking around the world, you used to be able to look around the world and get a striker to come in and do a few, do a ton for you, you know, mm. for six months. See the guys that used to be able to do that for you? Like... Uh, Diego Costa when did he get <laughs> you know they used to score goals then we'll get them in because we can't we can't get the big definites you know we're not going to get Ozyman yeah. right so we'll get the ones that could do as a job you could go and get Lukaku he may not score you a goal he may not score plenty of an Italy he might not score you a goal so to be honest that is a hard one I think they went for the right position I honestly do I think the right for centre backs and centre midfielders centre forwards what they seem to be looking for and what they needed at that point in time, but you know, you, you, it's 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 an ugly ugly market if you're down at the bottom. Mm. Um, I don't think that was a big problem. The big problem was you work and work and work to be a Bielsa team, and then you're a semi Bielsa, and then you're nothing like it, and then yeah. you think the players are going, "What are we? Yeah. <laughs> Do we know?" <laughs> and it's see, I don't know if any Leeds fans listening, and I know that. There are a lot of Leeds fans uh, listening around in Ireland. It, you must know that feeling, that sinking feeling watching Leeds United this season where you think, oh, we're three against one again. We've got, we've got one defender and yeah. three guys running at us. Nobody else, ha- it doesn't happen to anywhere else, anyone else close to that. So the structure was messy. with, And it actually didn't seem to man- matter what manager it was. Yeah, it's strange. 70... 70- Eight goals conceded all season. I guess an interesting, as a final thought on this, uh, a comparison of Leeds versus Leicester. I was listening to somebody make the point that, you know, Leicester are going to be pillaged now because they've loads of really good players. Whereas, do Leeds really have Premier League standard players dotted around that pitch? Like, well, are, are Premier League clubs going to say, oh, I can't wait to hoover up some of that Leeds talent? Like, the argument was made, Bielsa, it was one of the great overachievements. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking through. I've got two in front of me here that play the weekend. Um, they're not really obvious ones. I mean, Rodrigo is a good player and a, and a better team might look a better player. It strikes me as always somebody who should be the main man in the team. Um, if he, and he's not going to be a main man in a top half of the Premier League team, right? But he could maybe, you know, in time do a really decent job. But apart from that, there's not many that you're going to jump out. Some A number could do a decent-ish job cover, you know, set back and things like that. No, they're, they're not jumping out to you. So they actually, you're right, they might be a team that you actually may be able to work with quite well and adapt quite well. But everyone, everyone who goes down has got a tough job uh, and it will be a different job for everybody. It's just the feeling with Leeds, you know, with the background they've got, they've, they've been there before, they've fought so hard to get out. They managed to get up. I, I, think, I think they could fight and 
bite and chase and get up again. But I know what that league's like. I played in it five to five times for five years in that league, and it's hell. It's absolutely mm. hell to get out of. It's because there are always four, five, six, seven decent sized teams, and sometimes two or three that are not huge teams, but they're well organised, and it's it's not going to be easy for them. Mm. Let's take a short break. Uh, there's more to discuss. The football show is brought to you by Sky, proud partner and supporter of the Republic of Ireland women's national team. Back in one second with Pat Nevin. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky, proud partner and supporter of the Republic of Ireland women's national football team. This is News Talk. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky, all the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. This is News Talk. Now you're welcome back. So Pat Nevin is with us as we pick the bones of the Premier League season that was. By the way, it is just remarking, worth uh, remarking on the fact that uh, from July 2022 to now June 2023 FA Cup Final, English top flight games in action every month of the last calendar year. Not a, not a single month has gone by without English teams in action. So I was reading Jonathan Northcroft's uh, piece uh, yesterday in the Sunday Times and he was just like trying to get his head around how much has happened this year. So Pat, here we go. One of these things does not belong this season and the rest do. <laughs> you ready? Antonio Conte versus Thomas Tuchel on the touchline. Deli Alley playing for Everton. Bruno Lage, Wolves manager. Leeds third under Jesse Marsh. Ronaldo's interview with Piers Morgan. Graham Potter, Brighton manager. I'm going Deli Alley. <laughs> it's a trick Deli question, Alley. Pat. They're all from this season. Uh, <laughs> I talked to you about Deli Alley. I remember it. I remember watching him saying, he doesn't look good, you know, and then he was off at a Turkish club a bit a month later. It just seems a million years ago. Yeah. You know, he seems to have been everywhere since then. Yeah. It's mental. It is. I mean, I know it sounds really strange that the amount of things I was saying and writing things for various newspapers and stuff like and websites saying like this is weird the players aren't rested when you think about who's going to win things you've got to think about squad size and squad depth it's so important it's never ever 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 been as important as it is now and then you stick a World Cup on top of it as well yeah. and it's just you know, you, you can see why a number of players look completely wiped out. And I have to stop myself because I watch some players and I, there are some out there and I think, you get, you're not trying. And then I think, actually, how many games have you played? Mm. And then you realise they might be some of the ones that are just wiped out completely. And there is a real skill now that used to not be as big a skill of managing yourself. You know, really, not just the manager managing you. But managing yourself, right? Okay, I can't. Some players, I've never felt it because I didn't play. I mean, I played a lot of games and sometimes 50 or like a season of 55 or whatever. But this is mental because there's no break and it's at a high intensity. Um, and I just I just look at them now and think, right, I'm, I'm really have to think about who's. Because some are playing with injuries and you're knackered as well. And it's the end of the mental season. And I, I honestly, was, I've been at quite a few games. I've had a mad week myself the last week or two. It's mad. And I'm I'm tired. And I always say to myself, and I'm not even kicking the ball. Yeah. I'm not even running after it. <laughs> All I'm doing is chasing after. I went down to Forest v Arsenal and then 
to the Chelsea Man United. Okay, so I'd gauge eight to three in the morning between it. But, you know, apart from that, <laughs> I was just kind of acting normally. These guys have can't really run themselves into the bone. So it's, that's why, in the end, it, it took a while and well done. That's why Man City, one of the big reasons why they ran away with it, because they could almost put out a second team that was as good as the first. Well, there's an amazing stat. When you think about how Arsenal became so threadbare in particular, only two Manchester City outfield players played more than 28 Premier League games. Rodri. Oh, that is yeah. absolutely brilliant. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it just... It was Rodri oh. and... I'll get you the other name, but... Um, like nobody That's else can. Compete. I used to play forty-two every year. Yeah, so they're that <laughs> rested. Nobody else can manage to compete with that when it's only um, twenty-eight. Rodri and Haaland played more than twenty-eight. Of course, it was Haaland because you know. But then again, Haaland was taken off in a lot of games as well, and and this this is probably the first season of Haaland's career where he hasn't had an injury mid-season and had a bit of a break. So he didn't yeah. have a World Cup either. And he didn't have a World Cup. That's a great point. So Rodri and Haaland, everybody, they're the only, nobody else even in dared look at more than 28 Premier League uh, matches and they've won the league. So, I mean, that you can, that's really hard to compete with. Well, it, it so perfectly underlines the point, doesn't it? Yeah. That they knew what kind of season this was going to be. And, you know, if had they had, they had to, had they pushed those players far, a lot more, they wouldn't be looking at trouble. They, not yeah. a chance. That's what's killed them in the past. It might Absolutely, it's what's killed them in the past. It might so. be one of the more underreported aspects of the season because all the talk at the start of the season was, well, we'll, we'll with this World Cup, we're going to see now who's managed it best. And it's only when I saw that stat that I thought, oh, actually, maybe the wobbles that we were saw at Man City was on account of Pep managing. Uh-huh. But no, they, I, again, it feels so natural. That's why I didn't know the stat, but it's what I felt. Yeah. And it's, it bears out absolutely brilliantly. So I'm going to steal that and pretend it's mine. Haaland, Rodri, 28 games. The only two outfield players who played more. Um, it's funny, on, on Pochettino and Chelsea, which is now official, I did yesterday, just I uh, caught a bit of the Sky coverage, and Michael Richards, did, uh, he parroted what I've been saying to people, and, and, and uh, Jamie Carragher stopped me on my tracks a bit. So they were asked about next season, and Micah said, Chelsea, wait and see Chelsea. They get a striker next season. They're going to be there, thereabouts. And I have found myself saying that. And then Carragher said, <laughs> Carragher said, really? Like, what players? Who are all these players that are so good? I mean, they spent a lot, but like, really? Who's so good? And it stumped uh, Richards a bit because I don't think he'd been challenged on that point all that often. We've just assumed 600 million spent, Pochettino, Chelsea have that ability to bounce back from bad seasons. I, I, it's going I, to be I good. challenged them. <laughs> I would charge them. I agree that there's a lot of good young players, and I agree that they will, a lot of them will be good. I'm beginning to reassess for Fan and these last couple of games. Oh yeah, my god, it's pretty grim. That's, that's been that's been that's a leave them out for a while, you know, as a, you're not ready yet kind of thing, right? So that's one of those ones. Um, but you know, there are others who you know who do look as if the, all, all the metrics are fine, right? So you get that, but there's you have no idea. You cannot guess what Chelsea are going to do because nobody knows. And I don't think they do because they don't know yet who Poch... Well, they might know within it who Poch wants to get rid of, right? But good luck getting rid of because you might get rid of some. Frank was talking... Frank Lampard was talking the other day. I thought it was brilliantly, absolutely brilliantly. So there's too many players in here that don't know if they're going to be here next season or don't know if they want to be here next season or don't know if the club want them, don't know if the new manager's going to want them. There's all sorts of stuff. And I honestly, I went through them after hearing it and thinking, does Gallagher know if he's wanted? 
No. Loftus cheek, no. ZH, oh, he knows. But it's not good. No. <laughs> He's starting down at Canty. He's running a contract. Possibly not. Uh, Felix, no idea. Mm. Not at all. We could, we could want him, we might not. Honestly, it's Sterling, seriously, after the season he's had, mm. do they really, the new manager want him when he's going to play a high-intensity game? I'm going through every Pulisic, let me see, honestly, yeah. do you know? I don't, it seems unlikely. Unlikely, yeah. Yeah. Even Havertz, who is probably the most be- best, most gifted technical player that they've got in that forward attacking area. Would it shock you if he was sold no. to... Some, no, it wouldn't. Is, is Mount wanted? Exactly. So Mount, the, the most obvious twice player of the year, and he's he's wanted, but because of the contract, I'm guessing, may I hand up guessing here, right? I have no inside information, but if some of the Raheem Sterling comes in and learns what he's earning, mm. which is multiples of what Mason's earning, and Mason's doing like so much more work, and he's been player of the year twice, and Mason's thinking, really? Yeah. I think not. Yeah. You know, I'm not having that. I'll go somewhere else and get that, which he will. So, and of course the club are thinking, well, that's why we had a youth academy, so we could get cheap players through. That's all very well, but if you're the player, you don't really want to be cheap anymore. You could argue back, I didn't cost you anything. Mm. You know, I didn't cost you 50 million quid. You've got me cheap. Um, so there's, there's that. When you look at the economics, and especially people are talking about amortisation over eight years, right? Then you think the mindset's really changed. So you're right. Um, of course, Obama Yang he'll stay. And he is not. There's nothing, is there? There's absolutely no one. So, in the fact that if someone says to you, "Oh, they'll be top four, mm. how the hell do you know? <laughs> yeah, no, nobody's got a clue who's going to be there. What system, style, anything? Even the best, most obvious players, Reese James, he kind of get fit. And it's what it is now. Absolutely 100% on the worrying scale for somebody at that age can't actually get a full season mm. close to it. And he's a fabulous, fabulous player, probably the best uh, going forward. Um, so it's, there's enough quality to build something interesting. And if you're a manager, Poch, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity if you believe you'll be given two years. Yeah. It is going to be one of the more interesting summers at any club. It really will be. Uh, give us, um, I didn't give you a huge amount of notice, but give us uh, Pat Nevin's team of the season. Oh, yeah, no, I did look at it a wee bit. It's, um, uh, where did I keep it? So I don't forget it, because I think most people will, um, there's certain stick-ons, isn't there? There's certain ones you think, oh, well, we've got to do that. So How many stick-ons? I'd go five stick-ons, oh, right? Okay, go on. Five out of the ten outfield players. I think Trippier. I don't think I think he's been that good. I mean, one or two people you probably say Alexander Arnold, yes, but Trippier has been fantastic, mm-hmm. and I've seen him quite a few times, and he's been so important to his team, and he's one of the main reasons, if not the main reason, why his team are where they are just now. Can cannot ignore De Bruyne. It's just he's just been too brilliant. With yeah, his he, do you know? One disgrace. He had a weird couple of months in there too. He did, yeah, but he's world class. And see, at the end of the season, when his team's won the league and probably Champions League and probably FA yeah, Cup, yeah. he was there when you needed him. No, it's and true. His goal at the Bernabeu, I know it's a Premier League team of the season, but he, that's uh, emblematic of where he's, he's got to lately. Right. So, he's so, in. Uh, Haaland, obviously. Obviously. Uh, I 
dare anybody in the world not to. And by the way, Kane, exactly the same. Harry Kane. Yeah, I, I, he's been overlooked in far too many teams of the year. Oh, he, I don't. I honestly don't think he can. I, think un, I mean, Ivan Tony's been good, and there's others that have been good. Um, but look at the numbers, man. You know, and he's playing with a team that's it's not been good. Mm. I mean, you, it's classic. We're talking about the same about Vardy with Leicester. You take the old Vardy at Leicester and what you're left with. Yeah, good team, but you're down that end, not that end. Take Kane out of that team. Oh, for good sake. For goodness sake. Yeah. <laughs> that is really, really scary, right? So is this so a good old? Is this a, this is a good old fashioned four four two then? No, I'm going to go three four three. So I'm kind of so I've given you one defender. Okay. Two midfielders are Kevin De Bruyne and Odegaard. I think he's quite close to being. He should deserve it because there's been a bit of a fade recently. Don't ignore the rest of the season. Again, he's been fabulous for large parts mm. of the season. I, I think he's been wonderful. I'm pretty close to putting Gundogan in there as yeah. a definite, but. I'll put him in the team. I'm putting him in the team, but I, I understand why people would argue him, right? To some degree, because it's not been the whole season. But it hasn't been the whole season for, as you correctly say, any Manchester City player. Because they don't get to play every single game, right? So, I'm going to put some flesh on it now. So, oh, got a cup of tea. That's just what I needed. <laughs> Excuse me. So, goalkeeper. Toughest one of the lot, I think. I honestly think. Um... A lot of people would say Alisson, uh, Ederson, I'd want to go for. Pope was the other one, mm. which I think probably most people would go for, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, there's lots of names you could put, and I, I still think Ederson. I, that's where I'd go. But it's only it's a personal choice. I'm not a keeper. I don't know these things, right? So there's your goalkeeper for me. Trippy, a right wing back. I'm going for a back three. Okay. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm kind of half making it up now because I've got five names here. <laughs> I need to pick two for these five. Uh, all right, Saliba. It, it deserves it. Yeah. You know, there's been injury, right? Injury. And uh, the left wing back is really tough because I think Shaw for a long period of time deserved it. But there's something about Aki. If you're playing the back three, you've got a guy who can do them all. Mm. And I think it was a period of time where Aki, and you could almost put stones there instead. They're kind of almost interchangeable, but he'd be the other side. So I'll say Aki. I think Aki's had a brilliant season, Nathan Aki. So your midfield, uh, I've given you De Bruyne, Odegaard in the centre, Gundogan on the left. On the right-hand side, oh, right. I'm going to change my. I'm going to change it at the last second. I'm going to move. De Bruyne out wide, and I'm going to bring Casemiro in. <laughs> just, it could have been Rodri, uh, but I know I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Casemiro do have to because I think two months ago Casemiro would be in everyone's team. Yeah, but he's, he's yeah, I understand why he weakens a little bit. Um, so yeah, that's the that's the midfield four, which is a real shame because Saka's just missed his place. Mm. Right? <laughs> he's just he's just been hoofed. He's on a bench, and that's a shame. Uh, he doesn't deserve it. It doesn't mean he's been rob- rubbish. It means, you know, there's so many good players there. You're, you're up front. It's just any, don't care who's where. Haaland will be up top. Kane, one side. And it's the other side is a really, really tough one to call. There's a bunch of players. You know I want to put um, uh, Matoma in there, but yeah, I'm not getting away with that. Um, I think Rashford saved. 
Manchester United this year with that middle period. Did he do it for long enough though? A middle period, is that enough to get into Pat Nevin's team? It's really, it's really tight. Who, who are you going to argue that I should get in instead of him? You know, that, that's that's the point. You know, it's, would you put Saka in there instead? You Would you put Grealish in there instead? You, maybe. I'd put both know, of them in instead actually. <laughs> I'm being honest. <laughs> and I wouldn't argue because I like that type of player more. And I would like Matoma in there more. Um, but I think that's kind of, it's oddly enough, for a team like Man United who who aren't great and, you know, they're okay, they've, they've been decent, yeah. Man City a million times better. It'd be weird having three Manchester United players in there. <laughs> you know, but I think Casemiro certainly deserved it. Shaw didn't quite make it, did he? No. So, uh, Rashford, have, maybe that's a sympathy thing as well for what he's going th- seems to have gone through. Um, um, the, also, the other one, there was a massive temptation, but next year definitely was Kanji. Uh, he'll be, you know, left centre back, left back, and it just at that age he could be anything. Now. He mm-hmm. could be absolutely anything. So, uh, it's a three-four-three, um, and it's it's all right. There's some good players in there. Well, listen. Uh, it's a you score four, we're going to score five kind of a team, but that's okay. Yeah, that's always my team. I, I had a feeling. So Ederson, your back three is Trippier, Saliba, Ake. You've De Bruyne shunted out to the right wing. Casemiro and Odegaard, centre midfield. Gundogan gets in. And then it's Haaland, Kane and Rashford. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, and if you ask me tomorrow, I'll probably make three changes. Yeah, I, hear I feel you. sorry for Ivan Tony as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean... Who, would you, who do you think jumps out at you that you desperately think, well, why is he not in? Um, the real definites, I, I do think, are Odegaard and Holland and Kane. They're a real absolute definite. Do you know, there is a name I didn't say there that in my heart of hearts I might have him in, but I'd get slaughtered for it. And it is Thiago Silva, because he's that brilliant. Wow. And he's, he's played this season with a team that have had a stinker, right? And then have a look at their goals against when he's playing. And it's actually quite brilliant. <laughs> and he, and I watch him a lot. Mm. And he's uh, at, when he's playing, he's actually the best centre-half. He is the best centre-back. One of the best I've ever seen in my life, if not the best. But he's that age, he's playing with a team that's had a stinker and they've done nothing. So it sounds terrible. But what a beautiful player. Yes, agreed. I wouldn't have major quibbles. It's, I mean, it's hard to look at any of them and say that, well, how has he made the team? I would bump out Rashford and stick in Grealish, um, I think. But I understand your point. Uh, to, to watch, but he's not going to score you as many goals. Yeah, no, that, probably not. But what a joy to watch. And yeah, I want no, my team to have a dribbler in there, you know. <laughs> no. I mean, I think we're in a time now that that's the season where we're getting dribblers. I mean, I'm, and it's great. Yeah. I mean, down at Crystal Palace, it's fabulous. I mean, honest to God, it's semi-tempted just to go and watch Palace every week if I had a choice of one team because I just want to watch those guys. I yeah. mean, Eze, Eze is Brilliant. miles ahead, isn't he? And we Mile. talked about even Isak, his kind of um, moments. Oh, yeah. Great. Did Martinelli come uh, close? Yes. You, you, yeah. you rate him highly? Yeah. He was not unclose. He would, actually, he wouldn't even get in the reserves. It was a lot better than him. Olise, Eze... There's, there's, there are others there that I think are, are ahead of Martinelli. Okay. I'm going to have to watch Martin. See me, you've said that. I was out with one of my friends and she's a big, big Arsenal fan. I've known her forever. And um, 
And she she was like you. Well, no, I'm sorry. I'm I'm I, someone outside mentioned it to me in my ear. I I'm not as much on the Martinelli train. I'm not either. To be honest, <laughs> as people seem to be. He's good. I'm, I'm not. I feel quite bad though because there are some. I've got a problem with any player, and I am biased. Hands up. See if you know when you're biased. It's a good thing to know when you're biased. And my bias has always been, as you probably well know, if any player pretends to be more injured than he is at any point in time and rolls about, I, I, you've kind of lost me. Right, you have kind of lost me, and you're you're going to have to be unbelievably brown to get me back on on side again. And there have been a few of them in Martinelli. And Harry Kane's in your team, is he? Okay. Pardon? Harry Kane's in your uh, team. Yeah, that, that's a very good point. But yeah, he has been brilliant enough yeah. to get over the line with that one. Um, but the other one is uh, Anthony. Watching him, you know, the the histrionics, and then he goes down at the weekend and he's he looks hardly touched, and you're thinking, oh come on, what's wrong? Get up. Oh dear, yes, he is injured. Okay. <laughs> and it is the classic cry wolf, isn't it? <laughs> you're looking and you're going, he's not touched you. And he, he wasn't kicked, was he? I don't know if you saw it against uh, Chelsea, but he, he clearly is injured. Yeah. And it's quite, quite well, look, a significant one. Roy Keane did not forget a certain Alfinger Halland uh, for similar accusations. So you want to be careful. Uh, we have got to go way over time. We'll talk next Monday. There is an FA Cup final, which is just so interesting and uh, is going to be a great finale to the domestic season. You have a book out. So this I've is got- uh, memoir number two. Most people don't get one. So this is your your, your, your part tour. Uh, yeah, because it's not like a it's like not like a normal memoir, is it? I've got, I'm going to show you a picture. There's a picture. New one, right? Oh, there nice. Yeah. yeah. Football and how to survive it. Um, we are, I'm, I'm not you all about it just now, but um, I'm kind of... I'm kind of hoping that um, I'm doing a book tour at the moment, and which is great fun. Book tours, you meet interesting people. I'm gutted. I've not. I'm doing lots of talks to, to various people in Irish media and, and uh, newspapers, etc. But I haven't got an Irish gig this year, and I was wanting to do one in either Belfast well, or Dublin. Oh uh, well, or, listen. Yeah. If you want to, we talk off air. But I mean, if you want to do one at some stage in the next few months, where you nip over and we'll get a couple of hundred listeners into a room and do it that way, we, we'll make something uh, happen. I specifically want to do it because I came to Carlo Festival uh, with the last book yeah. and it was the best gig that I did. It was brilliant fun. It was just great. And I just feel as, and the Irish listeners and the Irish people, uh, they bought their, on, I have to tell you this because you, you wouldn't know this, the, my publisher's going, are you actually from Ireland? Your numbers in Ireland of selling your last book are off the scale. Wow. And I went, well, I do, I do that for off the ball and that, yeah. But when you know, news talk's been good and and yeah, yes, my history is Irish. And, and they said no, but this is really odd. Interesting. So the numbers are phenomenal. And do so I get like, a cut of that or what's? Well, let's talk. Let's talk off here. Uh, sorry, your book's on the way. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, sadly. <laughs> but anyway, I, I would love it at some point to okay. come over in the next month or two. It'd be brilliant just to talk to everyone. Oh yeah, no, that'd be fun. It's a little outdoor venue or something. We'll do that. Um, thank you so much let's talk next week about this FA Cup final look forward to it okay cheers Pat and Evan good night good night Uh, so that is uh, Pat with us on this Monday evening and as ever our football show coverage is with thanks to Sky all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports back in one sec Football on Off The Ball With Sky Proud partner and supporter of the Republic of Ireland Women's National Football Team This is News Talk